Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland, it's the Tampa Bay Rays 10, the Cleveland Indians 5. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And obviously, giant, huge, monumental news yesterday. The Cleveland Indians, after this season, moving forward, will be known as the Cleveland Guardians. And I'm sure if you're just tuning into this episode, you're wondering, Davey, you're a giant baseball fan. What do you think about this? Well, I recorded an entire episode about it. So go back into your podcast feed. It's literally the last episode I recorded yesterday afternoon. Go check it out. It's the breaking news episode. Uh, And you could hear all my thoughts. I did a huge deep dive on it. So uh, you'll slowly see this channel start to, I'm not going to change the name of the show or anything, but you know, instead of an Indians fan podcast, it'll become a Guardians fan podcast and little changes like that. And uh, we'll slowly start to mix Guardians into our lexicon here. So uh, let's get into this game though. Let's get into this game against Tampa Bay because The Indians have had a real challenge on their hands coming out of the All-Star break, and Tampa Bay is another one of those challenges. And apparently, when it comes to the ninth inning, we really suck against the Tampa Bay Rays, right? They do it to us uh, yesterday, right? They beat up on Karinczak. Two days ago, they beat up on Karinczak. And then last night, it's Nick Wickren who suffers their wrath. So let's get into it. Let's get into the storylines. And to me, I mean, the big storyline to me is the ninth inning, is Nick Wickren in this ninth inning. So what went down in this ninth? Well, right off the bat, Wickren, it doesn't start well for him. Randy Rosarena singles up the middle. They uh, they end up hitting Kevin Kiermeyer with a pitch on a, a one that was challenged, and it was held up. But it, it I don't know. It, it was close. It did, I'm not exactly sure where that ball hit him on the replay. With runners on first and second, Joey Wendell would come into pinch hit, and he would single up the middle. It would bring Randy Orozarena into score. Kiramire moves up to second, and it gives the uh, Tampa Bay Rays a 5-4 lead in the ninth inning. And it's like, okay, that's bad, right? It's bad, but it's not insurmountable. We can handle this, right? It's not the worst thing that happened. Brandon Lau would line out to left field. The runners would in advance. It would bring up G-Man Choi, and Choi would get a changeup. Choi would get a hanging changeup. I'm talking right down the pipe. And let's see how hard he hit this ball. He would hit it 101 mile per hour exit velocity, 395 feet to the seats in right field. For some reason, it had an expected batting average of only 240. The launch angle was 38 degrees, and that probably played into it. I mean, to hit a ball that high, most of the time, it's probably going to be a fly out. But when you hit it 101 miles per hour, you can get it to carry to the seats in right field. And that would be a backbreaker right there. And it was a changeup going over to the Illustrator page. It was a changeup that was sitting right at the belt, right at the belt for G-Man Choi, and he did not mess around with it. I mean, it's just in off of center, so it really is a perfect pitch for a lefty to pull and drive out to those seats in right field. And Nick Wickren's changeup absolutely sucked yesterday. Absolutely sucked. 
Joey Wendell, single up the middle, change up. Uh, Randy Rosarena, single up the middle, change up. Uh, his change up was absolute garbage yesterday. And if we go over to the player breakdown page, now the Rays would continue to add on here. Nelson Cruz would walk. Uh, they would bring in Blake Parker out of the bullpen. Brett Phillips would single. Yandy Diaz on a ground out would drive in Nelson Cruz to score. Uh, Wander Franco would then single. That would bring in Brett Phillips to score. At this point, I mean, it didn't matter. The game was over. Blake Parker was out there to just mop up and get the heck out of there. Um, send everybody home. Eventually, they would bat all the way around. A Rosarena would pop out to Austin Hedges in foul territory to end that top of the ninth for them. And by the way, by the way, I've heard the debate going on. If batting around means batting through all nine batters, or does it mean getting back to that first batter? I am firmly in the camp that batting around means you have to get back to that first hitter. The fact that a Rosarena came back up means you got all the way around. Around. It's not through the lineup. It's around the lineup. You got to get back to that first guy. I will debate anybody on that. Anyways, they bat around in the ninth inning, and they put up a ridiculous amount, six runs in the ninth inning, to just blow open a game that was tied 4-4 going into that inning. And the Indians had fought their way back to tie that game at 4-4, and we'll get into all that. But we got to keep harping on Nick Wickren because I'm not sure if Nick Wickren is good or not. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yesterday, he uh, he threw 10 fastballs, 6 sliders, 5 changeups. His CSW on his changeup, 0. His CSW on his slider, 0. His CSW on his fastball was at least 20%. He got one called strike and one whiff on his fastball. Uh, they swung four times at his changeup. On, on five changeups, they swung four times. They fouled one off. They put three in play with an average exit velocity of 99.8 miles per hour. So they absolutely hammered his changeup. And if you look at his season totals for his changeup, if we go over to his individual stat cast page, his changeup has sucked this year. They're batting 366 off his changeup. They have an OPS of, uh, where's the on-base percentage? They've got an OPS probably over 800 on his changeup. It's a terrible pitch for him this season, which is bizarre because the last season, they hit one, 167 off his changeup last season. 167 off his changeup. They slugged 208 off his changeup. This year, they're slugging 537. So what has changed? What is the difference between these pitches? Well, is it spin rate? No, spin rate is identical. Last year, he spun it uh, 1,745 RPMs. This year, he spun it 1,744 RPMs. Uh, there's a little bit difference on movement on the horizontal break. Last year, the changeup dropped 35 inches. Horizontally, it moved. Uh, let's take that back. Last year, it dropped 34.3 inches. It moved 14.7 inches horizontally. This year, it's only dropping... It's dropping 35.1 inches, so it's dropping more. But horizontally, it's only moving 12.8 inches. That's below league average, where last year the horizontal movement was above league average. Um, what else can I tell you? The run value of that changeup 
Last year, it was at a negative one run value, which is good. You want negative numbers on your pitches. Um, his best pitch has been his four-seamer. In some years, it's been at a negative 10 run value, which is really good. His changeup this year is at a plus seven run value. That is awful. That is just one of the worst pitches in baseball. And uh, if we go over to his game logs, it's it's so bizarre. He's so hot and so cold sometimes. For the month of July, he's made one, two, three, four, five, six appearances. Obviously, there's it's a shorter month because of the All-Star break. Six appearances. If you take away the two against Tampa Bay, he hasn't given up a run for the month of July. Against Houston twice, against Oakland and Kansas City, he hasn't given up a run against them. Pitched really well, a bunch of strikeouts including striking out the side, or sorry, three strikeouts over two innings against Houston in his first appearance in July. But then against Tampa Bay, he's given up six hits in two appearances, and he's given up six runs. So yeah, uh, apparently Tampa Bay just has his number. And it's been like that all season. To end the month of uh, June, he gave up runs uh, in three consecutive outings against the Twins and the Tigers. Two runs, one run, and one run. On, I believe, are those solo home runs? Yeah. Those two against the Tigers are both home runs. In uh, They were spread out the first and third game of the series. So he is so hot and cold all season. But that changeup is absolutely not working for him this year. So I don't know what he's going to do. Does he stick with fastball slider? You know, Does he stick with a different combination of pitches? Because... That changeup is not working at all. And he couldn't locate the slider anyways. If you go over to the Illustrator, he didn't have a called strike or a swing strike on it. And if we go over to the Illustrator, he was just burying, and let me change to the Pitch Types tab, he was burying all those sliders away, down and away. So he was throwing them across. He could not locate one. Two were close, but they were both laid off, all called a ball on six different sliders. So... Uh, he can't be a two-pitch pitcher if he can't locate the slider, if he can't get it for a strike like Sandlin does. Um, Nick Sandlin, who pitched before him, had some had some really good job with his slider, including striking out Nelson Cruz looking with a high and tight slider, threw an inside slider for called strike three. Uh, so yeah, so Wickren's got to figure out his pitch mix. He absolutely has to figure it out. I wonder what other pitches he's thrown in years past that maybe he could bring back. Um, he's thrown the cutter a couple of times. Uh, threw one sinker in 2020. Uh, threw one curveball in 2019. Back in his Miami days, uh, he threw the sinker a little bit, threw a cutter a little bit. He's experimented, but he's mostly been fastball changeup slider his entire career. His entire career. So yeah, so uh, either, either he's got to change the grip on that changeup, he's got to do something to make that changeup better because it is not working this season. All right, let's get into the other storylines of this game besides the Indians blowing up in the ninth inning uh, because the Indians did fight their way back into this game and it is 100% because of Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez goes two for three on the day with a run scored, a triple, a home run, Four RBIs and a walk. Definitely his best game of the entire month of July. And those hits came at the most opportune times. They were down 4 nothing 
thanks to a play we will talk about in a second, and then Nelson Cruz solo home run to lead off the third inning. Of course Cruz hit a home run to lead off the third inning. Of course Nelson Cruz is on gets traded to Tampa Bay when they happen to be playing in Cleveland. Luckily, this will be the last time we have to see him this season, unless they make a miracle run at the playoffs here. Um, but uh, Cruz gets his solo home run, makes it a 4 uh, nothing game, and then the Indians come up in the third after an Ernie Clement flyout. The top of the order does what it's supposed to do. Cesar Hernandez walks his second time up. Ahmed Rosario singles at 100.9 mile per hour exit velocity, and it brings up Jose Ramirez. And Jose Ramirez gets a pitch. I believe this pitch was high and tight. Let's go to the matchup on this one. And uh, this pitch from Josh Fleming, it's a cutter, and it is high and tight to Jose, who's hitting right-handed in this at-bat. And he launches it 106.7 miles per hour, 27-degree launch angle, 410 feet to the bleachers in left field. A huge three-run home run. And for a team that lately it seems like all they could do is hit solo home runs, they finally put a crooked number up on the board. And it's interesting because it's the same cutter he threw for the first pitch for a called strike. So he throws it. It was a little bit lower. That one was at the belt. This one was up above the belly button. Um, so the first pitch is a called strike. The second one is a changeup down that he lays off. And then he comes right back with that same pitch, that same cutter. And Jose was ready for it. So a huge, huge swing. And it was an angry swing. It was a... I'm getting back in this thing kind of swing. Like, I ain't giving up on this season kind of swing. So a huge swing from him there. And then late in the game when the Indians need him again in the seventh inning, Ernie Clement flies out to start the seventh. Cesar Hernandez with a single. Ahmed Rosario would strike out, but it would bring Jose up with Cesar on first. And he would rope one, this time hitting left-handed, off the wall in right field. Was a Rosarena the one in right field for the Rays? I believe so. Yes, he kind of got trapped against the wall and the ball scoots past him. Cesar is able to come all the way around from first to score. Jose hustles in the third with a triple, and it's a huge two-out triple to tie the game up in the seventh inning when the Indians needed it. Reyes would pop out to end the threat. I'm sure that pissed off the big man. And uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, the ninth inning would happen after that. Daniel Johnson would homer in the ninth inning, pinch hitting the lead off the ninth inning. He would have hit a home run. So, I mean, that's good to see from Daniel Johnson. But at that point, it's a little, you know, too late. You know, with Jordan Luplo down in AAA at a rehab assignment, and he is hitting home runs off of right-handed pitching down in AAA for Columbus, you got to imagine that Luplo is going to have to be called up soon. And who is going to be the odd man out? In the outfield, uh, is the odd man out going to be Yu Chang? You know, because uh, we have Ernie Clement and Yu Chang. Can Clement play first base in a pinch? You know, who else could play first base in a pinch? Because right now, obviously, Bobby Bradley is ailing with his lower back, so we need someone to play first base. Does Ernie Clement get set down so Yu Chang can play everywhere on the infield? Um, or is it Daniel Johnson? Is it last man up? Is the first man out? But then. You'd be getting rid of a lefty for a righty. You would have, uh, you'd be adding to your collection a right-handed 
hitting outfielders. So do they keep some balance there? Right now they have two lefties and two righties. Do they keep some balance there in the outfield? So there is a decision looming, and I think this Daniel Johnson home run and the fact that he's got his batting average up to 222 definitely is going to help him out. Oscar Mercado is hitting the ball well. Uh, Bradley Zimmer is obviously, they're all kind of doing a little bit to keep their name in the running for, you know, trying to stave off being sent back down. They're all doing a little bit, knowing that Luplo is coming. He's going to get called back. You know Luplo is going to be here eventually. Um, So, yeah, so that'll be an interesting decision they have to make. And so Jose Ramirez did everything he could to keep us in the game. In fact, this game ends with him on deck, unfortunately. Who knows what he had would have done in the ninth inning if they could have got him up again. So with that, with the big home run, with the big triple, with the four RBIs, Jose Ramirez, I don't want to forget about it. Jose Ramirez is getting MVP for the day. All right, last thing we got to talk about is the little league play in the second inning that gave Tampa Bay three runs. Zach Plesak battled out there. He absolutely battled. Six and two-thirds. He gave up eight hits on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven hard hit balls. But it only accounted for four runs, two walks, only three strikeouts. His CSW numbers weren't very high on the day. Um, he wasn't getting a lot of swing and miss. Uh, CSW total on day was only 21%. Uh, for called strikes, it was the four seam fastball, although when they were swinging, it was only 19 swings, one whiff. The changeup, they swung at 24 times, six whiffs, no called strikes on the changeup. On 30 pitches with the changeup, they swung 24 times against it. Now, their average exit velocity was an 80.6, so obviously much more effective than Nick Wickren's changeup would be later in the game, but still, man, they were aggressive against his changeup. And we got to talk about this play in the second inning because... It was a disaster. It was an absolute disaster Little League home run. Uh, After Austin Meadows strikes out to start the inning, Yandy Diaz would walk. Wander Franco would single. Randy Rosarena would single up the middle. It would bring Yandy Diaz around to score. Wander Franco hustles his way to third. The throw from center field from Oscar Mercado goes to third base. It one hops. It skips. Um into the glove of Jose Ramirez and shoots up the left field line away from him. Wander Franco scrambles home. He throws the ball home, trying to get Wando Franco at the plate. That gets away from Austin Hedges because the ball arrives basically at the same time Wander Franco does, and Randy Arena just never stops running. He's running the whole play. So he moves up to second on the throw to third. He moves up to third on the throw home, and when the ball skips away from Austin Hedges, he scampers home. And they can't even get the ball back to Austin Hedges to even try to place a tag on him because the ball and a Rosarena arrive at the same time. So it's literally two errors on the play, and it's a little league home run for a Rosarena. I mean, it was it was brutal. If that throw just comes into second base, if Oscar Mercado just gets it to the cutoff guy or gets the throw into second base, it's one run scored, runners on the corner, nobody out. Yes, the next batter, Kevin Kiermaier, gets a single. So Wander Franco probably comes in to score. But then Zanino flies out after a loud walk. G-Man Choi flies out. 
So in theory, I know butterfly effect, but in theory, you wouldn't have given up all three runs. It would have been two nothing instead of three nothing. And I think we could have lived with that. But the, the Little League home run was so demoralizing for the fans in attendance, for everybody watching on TV. It was one of those situations where it was like, guys, guys, come, come on. Come. And there were such positive vibes going into this game. There was such buzz. And then you do something like that. And obviously, Nelson Cruz, like we said, homers. And luckily, Jose is able to get some momentum back for Cleveland with his big home run. So that's why Jose's home run was so important. Some Get some energy, get some momentum back into that stadium. All right, that's all my thoughts on the game. I mean, we just blew it in that ninth inning. And that's two nights in a row. Absolutely. Two nights in a row, we have freaking blown it against the Tampa Bay Rays. And we are getting dangerously close to the 500 line. We are at 48 and 47. I don't even care where we are in the Central Division right now. I am just want to see them get a winning season out of this. Like, stave off a losing season, right? We're still in second place. Uh, all right, I'll tell you. We're nine games back. But Detroit is nipping at our heels. I mean, they're 47 and 52. They're 7 and 3 in their last 10 games. Detroit's been playing well uh, lately. And I'm, if we drop below Detroit in the standings, that will be brutal for the Indians. We're six games back in the wild card now. We've got a ton of those West and East teams ahead of us now. Seattle, uh, Tampa Bay and Oakland are holding down the two wildcard spots. Boston is still leading that East by one game. Uh, then we've got Seattle, New York, and Toronto now ahead of us. And I mean... You look at Toronto's run differential, they're plus 80. If those dudes add some pitching at the trade deadline, look out. Toronto, someone was talking about Max Scherzer going to Toronto. They were talking about an MLB Network the other day. If they could throw some pitching into Toronto, look out for those guys. With a plus 80 run differential, you know that offense can slug. So, yeah, I mean, it is a, it's a big mountain to climb if we're going to contend for a playoff spot this year. But... Uh, trade deadline's looming, right? We've only got so many days left in July, so they are going to have to make some decisions here. I'm sure they're having conversations. I think something's coming. The trade deadline is slowly creeping along. Tampa Bay, after going out and getting Nelson Cruz, just unloaded Rich Hill, uh, which is an interesting move. Uh, I thought Rich Hill was kind of a veteran leader on that team for that pitching staff, and they just unloaded him. So, who knows what Tampa Bay is thinking? They're buying some. They're selling some. Uh, so there's going to be some more excitement to come in this trade deadline. But that's all my thoughts for this morning. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, if you want to hear my thoughts on the Guardians, go back and check out my uh, episode from yesterday, sort of my bonus episode, my breaking news episode. You'll hear all my thoughts on the name. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. <laughs>